0: we've been asking what kind of impact we want to make, but today's guest helps us explore what kind of influence we want to have. In this episode, one of my favorite people on the planet, Mr. Scott Monroe himself, helps us unpack the pressure we tend to put on ourselves and encourages us to rethink the everyday ways we can have a positive effect on others. If you're a leader or on your way there, You'll love this former 31 Executive's take on what not to do, as well as his tips on the kind of leadership that really works. Join me for part one as we go behind the pink curtain for this candid husband and wife conversation about all things 31. There's so much to learn from Scott's 20-year history with 31. Don't wait another minute. Keep right on listening. consultant or leader, you're a successful entrepreneur who touches lives in meaningful ways, but you've also got a lot on your plate. With all that you do, you deserve a few minutes each week to fill your cup. Welcome to the CER podcast, named after 31's mission to celebrate, encourage, and reward. This podcast is exclusively for you Our 31 Potential Leaders and Leaders. Consider this your weekly power-up packed with quick, high-impact takeaways, specific steps to boost your business, simplify your life, and spread joy. It's my privilege to be your host and biggest cheerleader, Cindy Monroe. We have Scott Monroe in the house. Hey, hey, everybody. What's up? Hey, babe. Hey, babe. So this month, our theme has been around impact. So what does impact mean to you? And why can it sometimes seem negative rather than positive?
1: Yeah, it's a funny, uh, it's actually a funny word, a little bit of a funny story from my life in the last year. But I think impact's really, really important. I think all of us have an impact. I think the thing we kind of... um, mess up on is we feel like impact is supposed to be this big thing and I was actually I, I had uh, I was with a, a counselor last year and just working through some of my own stuff because we've all got stuff to work through right and uh, he said I kept using the word impact and he said I, you know Scott I've gotten to where I just hate that word uh, he said I counsel so many people and one of the things that they are struggling with is that they don't feel like they're making an impact and it's because we imagine impact to be always be this big thing like you know, you think about LeBron James, and he's made an impact on the game of basketball, and maybe he's made some impact on some things that he's, in, he's influenced with the charities he runs or the things he gives to, but we all feel like we have to have this LeBron James impact or this Taylor Swift impact or this Barack Obama impact or, or this George W. Bush impact. We need to make a big difference in the world, and the, and the reality is just, nearly all of us will never have that kind of big, major cultural impact, but all of us are set up to make an impact, to have influence over the people around us. And 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 Tom was, he's like, I really prefer the word influence. It's, it's not a question of where you are and how big the things you do are. It's it's are you showing up for the things that, that God made you to do right now, like where you are? Are we showing up in our marriages? Are we showing up for our family? Are we showing up for our friends? And sometimes the most insignificant things, the things that seem the most insignificant, like just calling a friend and letting them unload their horrible day that you didn 't even know they're having those make sometimes the most significant quote impact on the world and I think I think he 's right. I think we get so obsessed with wanting to make this huge impact that makes a mark on the world, and that you know it 's interesting too we, we kind of live in a world where everybody 's got this idea that they want to change culture, and I think really what we need to do is change ourselves and when we change ourselves. That gives gives us opportunity to be an influencer on the people around us, and and just think about as a mom the impact you're having on the future world just by raising your kids well, as a as a teacher the impact you're having on the future world by teaching those kids well and teaching them good and and teaching them to be good people. That's that's so much better. I I think about my dad real quick. I'll talk about that because I didn't know I knew my dad was a great teacher. My dad was a coach and a teacher. He made. He, he was never like a Bear Bryant uh, or a, uh, or a, a J- Jim Trestle or any of these big coaches you know, that have these huge records. My dad would have never been that, a Nick Saban. My dad, he, he didn't have great—I don't think I remember him having very many winning records as a football coach. Mm. But when my dad passed, and our little 600-, 400-, 500-, 600-seat church, they couldn't get the people inside the church at his funeral because of the impact, the influence he had had over so many people. And it was so interesting to me that one guy got up and gave a speech, and he had had a horrible, horrible life. He'd really had a lot of challenges personally, and he had done all this stuff. And for him to talk about how in eighth grade— my dad saved his life by having this positive influence on him and setting him on the right path and instilling in him some things that he still had to work through as he became an adult, but he still remembered the influence my dad had. And, and you know, my dad would have never thought he had an impact. I didn't know my dad made that kind of, quote, impact on people. But seeing at, the, at his funeral, seeing all the lives that, that God used him to change, uh, when I just thought he was a teacher and kind of an okay coach. Hmm. And I knew he was a great dad to me. I knew he was influencing me, but I had no idea. And I think we've got to kind of get our mindset of, okay, it's okay to use the word impact, but understand that the best way you can make an impact is to show up where your feet are and be an influence over the people and the situations that are right in front of you. And we don't all have to go change the world. The way we change the world is we change ourselves first, and we maybe see some life change in the people around us in a positive way.
0: I love that. And there's nothing wrong, I don't think, with celebrating those that have huge impacts. There's nothing wrong with going to a Taylor Swift concert or celebrating Kendra and Megan for their $2 million in sales. Like, we can celebrate others, but I think, you know, you said it's more about us and how can we change us, not change, you know, what's going on around us.
1: Right. And I think you'll find, I mean, everybody, uh, people that have done big things, you know, the Kendras and Megans and all that, they they would say that they don't feel like they've arrived. And I, I think the most, quote-unquote, successful people by our worldly standards would tell you they haven't arrived. And sometimes people, the most successful, the most famous, the most uh, influential people are the ones that sometimes struggle the most with their own personal life because mm-hmm. now there's this expectation set on them yeah. because they've, quote, been so successful and now everyone expects so much out of them. And I think we've got to really start turning our, you know, this the old, it's such a crazy um, crazy dumb thing we used to always say but you remember if you point your finger in one direction there's three fingers pointing back at you mm-hmm. yeah. but i really think it's still that still holds true Is we've yeah. really gotta gotta focus inwardly on what can we do where we are where our feet are planted and who who are we and that's the other thing tom said it's not i said it i think earlier it's not about where you are it's not about the things you're doing it's not about what you choose to do it's about who you are when you're there and are you being who god made you to be there
0: so good so being close um, to 31 from those first conversations, maybe share with us the impact that this community has had on you.
1: Yeah, you know, I was, um, I mean, I was a musician first and in the ministry uh, as a career, um, and I got to do a lot of great stuff and see a lot of life change, obviously, in people there. But for me, personally, um, I've always said 31 gave me the ministry I dreamed of. Mm-hmm. Because it was real people, you know no, but we weren 't there 's nothing wrong with again i 'm not busting on church on sunday church I, I everybody I think should go, but i what i didn 't get to see is people in their real world, people in real life. Mm-hmm. And what I get, didn't really get to do a lot there because I was always preparing for that Sunday morning thing we did where we had music and it was great music and we had sermons and there were great sermons and there was all of great learning, a lot of great positive things happened there. But I never got to see real people in their homes and with their families doing life, doing their jobs. And the thing I think that 31 for me personally had an impact on me is I got to be in quote-unquote ministry in a, in a different light out in the real world yeah. with real people. And I got to see people's lives change for the good out there. I, it, it's uh, it's I've always said I've ne- I was never more in the ministry before thirty one than I have been since thirty one.
0: So, how has that impact been on others? I mean, you said that you've gotten to see it in real world examples. You know, what are some of those things that you've seen?
1: Yeah, I, you know, it's been little things along the way and some pretty big things. I can't count the number of times back when we were in the office and, um, and I had a big team and, I, and was present in the office all the time here several years ago. I can't count the number of times that people would come in my office and they would close the door and they would say, hey, can I talk about something that is, has nothing to do with work? And they weren't going to unload. I got a lot of the unload about their bosses. And I got to unload about why are we doing this or, you know, we're really struggling with this. You know, the typical business things. All of us got that. All of us in leadership at 31 got that. But I was more intrigued by the number of times. I never told people, hey, I'm a pastor. Hey, I'm the staff pastor here. If you need prayer or you need somebody to talk to, just come see me. I wasn't in the HR department. I never worked with or for HR. But people just, for some reason, knew that they could come to Scott's office and close the door and talk about their life. They could talk about struggles with their kids. They could talk about struggles uh, in their marriage sometimes. They could talk about struggles sometimes with their jobs, yes, but it wasn't about them trying to out their boss or wasn't they were trying to out another employee it was about struggles they were having and i got an opportunity time and time again to say well hey can i pray with you about this or is you know and a, lot, a lot of people in the corporate world say oh you shouldn't do that you shouldn't be asking people if you can pray for them well i we did it was a family culture at 31 and and i chose to be there and show up for people and i got to see you know some really good positive things come out of that in people's lives
0: so good so let's switch gears a little bit <clears throat> in our industry, in this direct selling space, we have seen and we have heard a lot of opinions over the years. So do you think those opinions have evolved or become more positive in the 20 years of 31? Or what would be your thoughts here?
1: You know, I, th- I think we all, um, I, at least I grew up with parents who at some point had been invited to somebody's house for coffee or invited over to you know for soft drinks when it turned out the soft drink was a special soft drink that was being sold through a direct selling channel and um, i I think back in the day kind of the old classic sales pitch way was to uh, uh... be a little bit deceptive, not intentionally deceptive, but 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 kind of hold everything kind of tight to the vest and invite people to this thing, and then boom, you spring this opportunity on them, and that happened all too often. And I'm not saying all the people that did that um, did it that way. I'm also not saying that the companies were bad that that were out there 25, 35, 45 years ago, 50 years ago that, that they encouraged that. That's just kind of the the way as humans kind of try to find this backdoor entry into people's lives or their psyche so they can then bring a pitch you know and and I think the the industry had this this image of deception where people weren't being honest up front and when you're not honest up front about what you're doing then you automatically take that's one ne- ne- negative maybe major negative hit against the thing you're trying to do if you're trying to share a product or you're trying to share an opportunity if we're not upfront about it uh, then and then we suddenly spring it on them then it it already kind of feels like the whole thing is icky and it's rooted in in, um, in a kind of a lack of integrity, and that's not what the industry's really ever been about from its core. But I think that's just the way a lot of people were trained to do it. What I saw when we got on the party plan. Uh, it got into the party plan industry where people were going to homes and doing demonstrations and they knew the product, they kind of led with the product out front. They led with the, hey, I want to show you some products. I'm selling this. What I saw our, our um, sellers do is they, they were just real people getting up in front of real people, being honest about a product that didn't cost a gazillion dollars. Mm-hmm. And they were offering them something that fit into their life and there was really low barrier to entry. So if somebody wanted to sh- sign up, the, the cost was very, very reasonable back then. $99 to join, and, and it didn't take anything to make that back. We didn't have all these um, requirements of inventory. As a matter of fact, we discouraged people holding inventory and buying a bunch of stuff. There, there's a lot of rules we play by as part of the Direct Selling Association. Now, all that to say, We've got things like Netflix out there, and we've got people who love to make salacious documentaries about everything under the sun. You can make bad documentaries about some of the best things. And one of the things that we've seen the last few years is there's been some negative, uh, either satirical shows or documentaries about people who still kind of make the industry seem a little slimy because they're deceptive or they do... Encourage you to hold inventory, and so I, I think the reputation is still out there. But I also think the good companies, f- of course, far outweigh the bad. And I think, uh, I think because the way our girls have always done their business with integrity, um, that it, it has changed the reputation. Add to that the fact that we live in a world now where everybody wants to buy from somebody, and if you look at the quote influencers on social media that's what they're doing is they are they're basically they're not direct sellers they don't have direct relationships with companies like our consultants do for the most part but that, it's a, this new medium of social media has kind of made everyone that, that uh, I think people wanted to call our industry for a while social selling which it kind of is but then you know I th- there were other I had other friends in the industry that say you know what we were the original social sellers and we're still the social sellers and I think the reputations changed because there's so much competition out there I think people are learning to do Business well and do right. There's still people who, you know, they're still going to try to fool you into that hook. They're trying to going to try to hook you. But for the most part, I think people. There's enough competition that you need to do this business well and with integrity. And I think our reputation as an industry and as a whole is is good. Now they're still I, you know, I uh, do these these hots classes at uh, conference every year at our Impact Conference, and there's still a lot of guys that come in that session very, very skeptical about this thing that their wife does. Mm -hmm. Um, They don't know what she got suckered into. They don't know why she's buying so many bags. They don't know why she's gone from the house to do a party or why she spends so much time on Facebook doing parties. And they're very skeptical about it. I always say that comes down to a breakdown of communication between them that's not the industry. That's not the company. That's not what we sell. But that's a communication issue in between them, and that they need to open up those those uh, routes of communication within their relationship, so that they can fully um, understand each other and understand what's going on. And uh, but I think it's I think the industry is as a whole. I think it's it's a it's got a much better reputation than it did years and years ago. Um, and then, you know, like I said, we've always got those bad players and they're always going to make documentaries about stuff. So <laughs> we've got to take it with a grain of salt.
0: So despite some of those opinions, uh, maybe share with us why you're so proud to be a part of 31 and the selling channel today.
1: I love that literally anybody can scrape together a little bit of money and start their own business. And, and if they'll apply themselves to it, they can make some money. Now, I've always said this. We've got great success stories. We have consultants that have built houses on lakes, that have bought cars, that have done all these things. But the bulk of our consultants and what really makes me the most proud is that mom who has stood in front of me and said, you know what, I get to help pay their bills now. Back in 2008, 2008, 2012, when we had such a strong financial crisis, I had we had consultants who their thirty one income they used to kind of offset the fact that maybe their husband had lost a job,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and they were so proud standing there with tears in their eyes to say I, you know what I I can pay for my kids soccer shoes uh, even though you know, my spouse lost his job or the, or the ones that i t- talked to spouses and said I was working three jobs just to help us make ends meet. And because her 31 thing, she was working so hard and, and pouring herself into it so much and is seeing some results from it that I got to quit that third job and I get to spend more time with my family or fishing or whatever el- it is else they do. I'm the most proud that really literally anybody can, can start this. I can't, I'm not going to say everybody's going to be ex- exorbitantly ex- successful doing it, but anybody can start it. And if you pour yourself into it a little bit, it will add some value to your life somewhere. And then ultimately, what I'm most proud of isn't the financial things that happen, but it's the Personal life things that happen. It's a sense of community. It's a sense of self-confidence because you've started this thing and you've poured yourself into it a little bit, and you're starting to. I've seen people who are the shyest people in the world stand on stage and speak to ten thousand people at conferences. I've seen um, I've seen people go on these great health journeys because they enabled themselves through this business and to say hey you know what I want to be a different person I want to do better I want to eat healthier I want to live healthier and I've seen I've seen all these different types of transformation in people's lives I've seen marriages transformed because of the confidence and the maybe this fi- maybe the financial stability I've just I've seen all of this great life change happen because people invested themselves in 31 and 31 didn't do it 31 did. it's not some magic potion but it's the we kind of lay that opportunity out there and we open the door and when if they'll run through the doors like you've talked about a lot of times you've had to do personally cindy if they'll run through those doors that you'll just see god continue to bring blessing upon blessing on top of them and again it may not be a pool. It may not be a swimming pool, but that's right. okay. But if it's doing the little things that you struggle, that all of us struggle sometimes on those little things. We struggle on the cable bill. We struggle on the on the clothes for kids' school. We struggle on maybe our, we want our kid in a in a you know a small private school. Uh, we paying for that is significant. Buying your kids' medicine that's been significant, and those are real stories from real people.
0: Yeah. So let's chat about leadership. Many of our consultants, I feel like, join for the product, or Mm -hmm. I know they join for the product, and they start to find a little bit of success. And that success is contagious it actually creates this desire for her to want to share with her friends about this amazing opportunity or the amazing company or the success that she's having. Or sometimes her friends may just see the success that she's having. And then before she knows it, she has a team. So do you think that leadership or even accidental leadership is part of our secret sauce?
1: (laughs) Absolutely. You know, I always say that uh, a great restaurant for instance um shouldn't have to advertise because the experience people are having with it should be so good that you can't help but share it and now with social media and things like that it's a lot easier to share and that's kind of how i pick restaurants i don't pick it from their advertising i -hmm. pick it from what people are saying about it and i think when somebody comes into 31 and they do see a little bit of success and they do get that team they're Their enthusiasm, their joy, their happiness in it it is that contagious thing that makes, honestly, makes other people be more intrigued about it. Even I, it's funny, I love the stories of, we see this sometimes on incentive trips, somebody brings their best friend on an incentive trip. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: if you get to talk to that best friend, or this has happened with dads and moms, and they say, you know, this is not something I ever wanted to do, but I've been so proud of what it's done for my friend who is the selling consultant Mm -hmm. and taking that kind of pride will translate that to somebody who maybe does need an opportunity and does need a job. Then it's that, that contagiousness makes them want to sign up. Now you talk about accidental leadership. I think that's, it's actually kind of a catch 22 because a lot of our sellers in the past who have become successful found themselves accidental leaders. They found Mm -hmm. themselves that they're Whoa, I'm in leadership. Like, Now what do I do? I think it is part of the secret sauce, because obviously it's better to be a leader in this business and it's better for you. I think it also, that's part of how people get this uh, boost of confidence, Mm -hmm. is when they have a team around them and people that are looking up to them, but it also can create a lot of pressure on them. But I do think it's part of the secret sauce of direct selling in general, and especially at 31, is that there is this path you can be on. If you want to be on it, uh, that you can be on to leadership. If you're really good at this and you are really co- got a really contagious attitude about it, then you're probably going to be a leader whether you want to or not.
0: Mm-hmm. So speaking of, I've seen you be this amazing leader to so many, whether it was for our kids, your staff you talked about earlier, or simply leading a friend through a season of life. So what leadership advice would you want to share with our 31 community?
1: Um, you know... I didn't learn this early enough. I felt like, and a lot of young leaders do this. A lot of young leaders feel like they are put in a position to um, drive and control, and lead by telling, and lead by um, lead by laying out a plan, and and they take on all this responsibility for all the things that go on and making everybody kind of fall in order like ducks in a row. And a lot of people think putting ducks in a row is leadership, and it's not. That's management. And we could talk all day about how I feel about the difference between management and leadership. But I think what I didn't learn early enough is it wasn't my job to tell everybody how to do, what to do, when to do. My job as a leader is to set a pace, is to show some enthusiasm and passion for what I did, to set a really great example for it, and then listen like crazy. Listen to the people around you. Uh, be I always say situational awareness should be a class for everybody in school, at least three or four times in their school. Because I think, and I'm, I'm going to use this metaphor, driving through the you know, the Walmart parking lot or walking through a Walmart parking lot, and you almost get run over by people in cars, not because they're mean or not because they're rude, just because they're not paying attention. And I think as a leader, you need that situational awareness. I think another metaphor back to me standing in front of a band in college or, or when I taught band some is standing in front of being a conductor. My job isn't just to wave my arms, yes, I get to set the tempo the pace for what we're doing. I get to help control whether we're loud or soft or the emotion behind the music. A lot of it comes from a, a if, if you're a really good conductor, really great conductors help that full orchestra express themselves even better because they're leading with the emotion they're leading with the, they're setting that tempo they're setting the, the the you know the strength with which everyone plays or they or they're letting them know when to when to calm down but but what has to happen to do that well is that leader has to be constantly listening, constantly paying attention. You need to hear what the French horns are doing if you want the French horns to do what they're doing better. You need to hear what the violins are doing and you need to pay attention because if you don't hear things that are going wrong, if you're not paying attention as a leader, I used to always say, if you're a leader and, you're, and people don't know who you are, then you're not a leader. Like if you work for a company, leaders need to be among the people. Leaders can't hear from people they're not seeing, and likewise, people can't follow leaders they can't see. So I think I think it's just critically important that that as a leader, I didn't learn early enough how to listen and how to pay attention and how to use those cues to help me lead people better.
0: Well, that wraps up today's episode. If you haven't already, go ahead and hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening so you don't miss out on a single episode. And make sure to take a quick second to leave us a five-star review. Thank you so much for listening to the CER podcast, where you can come each week to soak up inspiration and discover ways to make your journey as a leader even more fulfilling. I'm so grateful we're all on this 31 journey together, helping others simplify life and spread joy. I'm looking forward to connecting with you again next week.